0: Welcome to The Lawyer's Podcast, a series of conversations about law practice. Each week, we talk with legal entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are your hosts.
1: Hi, I'm Sam Glover.
0: And I'm Stephanie Everett, and this is episode 250 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Mary Ellen Stockton about building a healthy remote or hybrid workplace.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by SaneBox, Ross Intelligence, and Alert Communications. We wouldn't be able to do our show without their support, so stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. So Stephanie, you are about to head to a Black Belt conference and you've been a member of this for, has it been a year? Almost. So what does Black Belt tell people?
0: So basically I'm in a coach the coaches program. So similar to how Lab works with lawyers and teaches them how to run their business, We at Lawyers participate in a program. And so in this case, I'm working with other professionals who coach professionals Mm -hmm. on how to improve their business. So I'll be spending a couple of days with people who coach dentists and photographers and tech startups and CEOs and all kinds of different types of businesses. It's kind of fascinating, actually, to go around and hear who everyone focuses on.
1: Yeah. And I remember hearing you. So this is a big program, obviously, and there will be a bunch of people there. I remember you talking about how it is shaping your thinking around group coaching versus one on one coaching. I don't know how many of our listeners have a coach, but I bet a lot of them do. And I wonder if they've considered the different advantages and disadvantages of a one-on-one experience versus a group experience.
0: Yeah. So even back when I had my law firm, I ended up hiring a coach. And in that case, it was more of a one-on-one coach, someone that I would connect with usually on the phone. And we'd talk about business development opportunities and all the different, you know, that person would help me with my strategy and implementing things. And really held me accountable, right? Like I remember distinctively remembering times where I'd have a networking lunch that I would need to go to. And I'd think to myself, I should just cancel and work on this brief. <laughs> and then I knew that I had a call with my coach and they were going to say, how did that lunch go? So I was like, oh, all That's right, I'll go to the to lunch. Go. <laughs> yes. Which was good. And at that point in my career, I needed that push. Yeah. And so, you know, that is super helpful sometimes if you feel like you need that push, you need that accountability to have that coach. And so I think before I was in this program that I'm in now, I would have told you like, yeah, a one-on-one coach is more valuable, maybe is worth more money because, you know, you get that one-on-one access to a coach. That was my perception. Mm -hmm. Now what I'm learning is in my group coaching program. So I have access to a coach in this program as well, and I can do a one-on-one session, but I also have access to the entire community. And so I get to go and brainstorm with the dentist coach about what's working for them and what the dentists are struggling with, which by the way, is really similar to lawyers
1: (laughs) or, you know, people who
0: are coaching CPAs or whoever, and I'm learning what's working for them. I'm learning what's not working for them. I'm pulling ideas back and using that into my program. And so what I've learned is now I don't just get the benefit of that one person, that one coach who was telling me ideas are holding me accountable I have the collective knowledge of the entire group to really pull from. And so it's kind of just changed me because I'm like, wow, this is super valuable, right? I get all these ideas.
1: I mean, that makes perfect sense, obviously, because that is the whole idea behind what Lawyerist has been doing from the beginning and is now formalized in lab. I suppose the Black Belt program, there's a philosophy and a way of doing things. And lab has that too, right? We've put together the small firm roadmap, our book to outline it. We've got the scorecard, which outlines it like there's a way that we lawyerists think firms need to be building their firms and thinking about practice and in order to be successful. And we've pulled that from a lot of learning and studying and thinking that we've done over many years. But every firm has to figure out how to implement that framework. And it's going to be different. And so in doing so you figure things out. And there's a real benefit to having that peer element to it where you can share it because the one on one sort of presumes that the coach knows everything. And I think the group coaching model is based on the reality that the coach doesn't know everything, especially when a coach is not doing the same thing you are, right? Like you and I don't practice law actively right now. And so we spend an enormous amount of time with lawyers who are doing it. But when it comes to like the day-to-day of how to running a firm and the nuts and bolts, that's not where necessarily where our heads are, but it is where all of our members' heads are.
0: Yeah. You know, that's what I love about what we're doing with lab. And, you know, and just even if you're not in lab, there's such benefit to talking and connecting with other lawyers about business. And I think you and I have talked about this on a podcast episode before, but it's so important and such a new concept for lawyers. But, you know, one of the things we'll do in lab is we'll have a workshop where I'll kick off an idea and I'll say, here's some things, and I'll present some things. But then we start a discussion and people will say, well, I've done that with my firm and here's how I've unlocked it. And someone else will be like, wait a minute, say more, because I was doing it this way. And then somebody, you know, and then somebody else jumps in. And and so together, they're really sharing those ideas. And, and the, so I can tell them big strategy pieces and big things. But when it comes down, sometimes you need the nuts and bolts. How did you connect, you know, how did you automate that thing? Or how did you figure that out? Or what does your, you know, whatever look like? And that's what I love when I see the labsters helping each other. And obviously this happens a lot at LabCon too, but we do it each week in our workshops. And they really, what's that saying about all the tides and the boats rise, all the things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never get the sayings right.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, I think an example of that that's free. I mean, you know, we've talked about lab and I think lab is super valuable, but you brought up the other resources, like our insider community. I've been really pleased to see much, more people bringing problems to the group that are well stated, you know, like not do you like X software, which is kind of a really shallow way to use a community. But you know, is anyone using a system like this? And how is it working for you? What are the pluses and minuses? Have you implemented this and things like that? We've had some discussions about the upcoming book and alter egos, you know, people are definitely still focused on tools and technology. But the way in which people are talking about that have been getting way more interesting plus referrals and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, the insider group is a really is a free resource for people people that are looking for that, not, it's not coaching, but it's a group of peers that can help support you. And I think that's super valuable too, just as a starting point.
0: If you're not an insider yet, it's easy to join and then join our Facebook group. And yeah, I think the discussion there's really good. I'm in several lawyer groups on Facebook and I like ours the best. I'm biased. But I really (laughs) appreciate the quality of discussion that we're able to facilitate there.
1: Yeah, you sometimes bring your frustrations back to the group about some of the other Facebook groups of lawyers that you're a member of. And the focus of ours continues to be very courteous and high level and good. So Aaron and I were chuckling last week in the intro about podcast listeners who don't seem to be aware that we have a website that there are valuable resources on. But, you know, there's the Facebook group, too. So go to the website, sign up, and then we'll invite you to the insider group. So check that out. And now we've got my conversation with Mary Ellen on remote workplaces.
2: Hello, I am Mary Ellen Stockton, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Work Well Wherever. I'm a remote work expert that focuses on making flexible and remote work arrangements awesome, I like to say. (laughs)
1: I love it. Welcome to the podcast, Mary Ellen. Thank you for having me. I guess I should say too, just for the benefit of listeners, that we've hired you to help us with our remote working arrangements. Yeah. So that's either a conflict or an endorsement. I'm not sure which, so... (laughs) (laughs) I hope hope it's an endorsement. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean it that way. Yeah, it's been great so far. So what you do is you, uh, I mean, I guess we've talked about you in terms of sort of you're our remote working coach because remote work is hard. Is coach maybe? That's probably not the right one, is it? Consultant? No,
2: I, you know, I struggle with that myself. I like it all. It's like coach, consultant, expert, you know, in-house expert.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, one of the realizations that we've had in working with you is that remote first is like, I think everybody thinks they know what that is, but mm-hmm. there are, there's more to it. And maybe we should start there is how should we think about what remote first means or what a remote workplace is?
2: Yeah. So I would love to hear, I'm going to put this back on you because you told me <laughs> I could. Yeah. So I, I would love to hear about lawyers and the reason that you guys, let's talk a little bit about why. You chose to be remote first when you started. Yeah,
1: I'm happy to talk about that because I think it probably mirrors a lot of our listeners, which is spending a lot of money on office space didn't feel like a good use of our limited budget while we were getting things up and running. Okay. And... Uh, I had a comfortable space to work at home. I was really good with technology so that I could mirror my working situation wherever I went. And so Mm -hmm. it was convenient when it was mostly me. And the reason we aren't totally remote now is because Aaron doesn't work the same way. Aaron really benefits from having an office that he can go to every day and remove himself from his house. So it's a little bit of, I think, I guess in our case, it's kind of personality based and budget based.
2: Okay. And how long ago did you guys get like an office space?
1: We've sort of been on and off throughout our experience. Okay. uh, Which is, I suppose, is also similar to a lot of lawyers who are maybe in an office and wondering whether or not they should stay in one or... They've got, they need to hire and they aren't sure if they should get a bigger space or just go remote or something like that. And currently we have a big office that is only occupied part time because many of us have a pretty flexible arrangement where we can be remote when we want to be. Right. Maybe that's one of the things that we ran into is like, how do you, you know, it's, there's a difference between being able to be remote and then just sort of having location be irrelevant. And this is, I think, one of the things that we wound up struggling with and maybe some of our listeners do too, is like, when do you need to be in person and when do you need to be remote? And how do you juggle when it's okay to be either, I guess, was one of our real challenges.
2: This is something that's, that's pretty common. And you know, I've talked about this before, and I've talked with Aaron before is this hybrid team, yeah. meaning yeah. that you have an office where some people go to an office, but you don't. You know, it's, it's in a certain location and not everyone comes into that office. So then now you have some people in an office, some people in a co-working space, some people working from home. So I think that you you hit the nail on the head when you said that you were tech savvy when it was just you, then you have somebody that works a different way. And now you guys are partnered to create this business. So now you're a hybrid team of two, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where, that's where you started, but it's still hybrid. And at that point, that is when you begin starting the expectations, because the whole goal of your company is to grow and help others. And so at that point is when you start looking and saying, okay. If we're, if we're going to work in two separate locations and we're, we're going to allow people to work in different locations, then we really need to think about what, our expectations are for what this looks like. Because you as their leader and founders get to kind of lay the foundation on what you expect and what does it mean for you to be remote.
1: And I guess one of the things that you helped us see too was that idea of what is the location that you can work from, right? Like, you know, we brought on some other people who, you know, like I have an office at home and my office at home has all of the same stuff that my office at work has. You have no idea if I'm recording this podcast from home or work because it would sound exactly the same. I'm using the exact same stuff I have a computer there and that mirrors my computer here. And so that's one version of remote. And then the other version of remote is I take my laptop to a coffee shop, which is terrible. uh, (laughs) If you need to be on video, for example, or you need to be making phone calls to customers or clients, Um, And another version is you sit on your couch with the TV on, and that's pretty much killer to productivity. So you helped us understand that there's a difference between what counts as a remote office or just working from somewhere.
2: Yes, And so I think that there, I mean, it cracks me up because it is so common, but it is like the dedicated space and dedicated Mm -hmm. space doesn't mean that you're sitting on your couch or sitting at your kitchen table and there's all this background noise that You do want the dedicated space that does mimic the office. And if you are, are hiring for that, then that is one of the things that I would make sure that I had those outlines and expectations like this is how we work as lawyers hmm. when we work from home. This is, and it is a dedicated space and it is, you know, that you guys will make sure that they have the tools and everything, but they have to have, you know, the space and ability to work from that. And that's just one part of it. It doesn't mean, okay, if you have no client calls or you're working like after hours, you know, there has to be something that you have to like sit in your office, but a dedicated space that has the same tools and technology and lighting and everything for you to work from home well is an expectation, right?
1: Yeah. And it's different from like the digital nomad style of work too, which can work, but needs to be really carefully considered for the job at hand, right? Like it's fine if you just need to write things and plug into Wi-Fi once or twice a day to send drafts, but it doesn't work very well if the person is, you know, going to be working from a train one day and a hotel with spotty Wi-Fi the next day, (laughs) you know, that and all that kind of stuff and different time zones all the time. And that gets hard.
2: No, it gets hard and it's not, especially you, you want to be able to set an example. Right. So it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. the first time like that, that happens, it's like, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) Maybe we're not setting the expectations
1: for what this looks like when we're hiring. Say more about that. How do you set expectations? Because I feel like we did a poor job of that in part because I always talked about, well, I don't care where you work. But when I was saying that what I had in my mind was my own version of I don't care if I'm working from my office at home or my office at the office. And I was conveying that badly to people. Sure, um, But how can you do a better job of setting expectations, especially in hiring, to make sure that you're not getting people who want to sit at home so they can spend more time at their kids, but so that they can work from home because that's the preferred arrangement for them.
2: Right. So it, it's really interesting. I've thought a lot about this. And of course, I get asked a lot about it because I started working remotely six years ago and no one told me, like, I guess there was this dedicated space talk, but it wasn't like, let me see your your office or kind of mm-hmm. thing. It was kind of an innate thing that I knew, right? Like I, if I'm going to be able to work from home, this is a, is a professional job. So I need to have, you know, good w- wireless, not a crazy background in the back. Like, I guess I've done a little bit of research of like what it means to work from home. And mm-hmm. I knew what the job entailed, which for me, People might think this is harsh, but I did some interviewing at candidates at our my last company, and if they were sitting, you know, on a couch or had weird lighting, you know, where I couldn't see their face, I would talk to them. But our interview, they were not getting hired. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, you know what we do that too like we we insist that everyone who applies for our job does a video chat in part because our team is remote Yes. and so it isn't fair to stephanie if she's not in this office to not be able to interview that person in, in the same way that the rest of us do and the other reason we insist on it is like if they're fumbling around trying to get their video connected or they come on and they're backlit and their faces in shadow like they suck it's not
2: <laughs> well exactly well then it's not important to them you know so yeah. like i you know it's the same thing it's funny because It's the same thing as if you hired someone to work at your company and they could show up for an interview, but they know nothing about your company or the role Mm -hmm. or anything. For me, it's the same way with remote. Like my mom said, well, of course you tell them how to log into Zoom and do all these things. I was like, absolutely not. That's one of the things is... That's
1: like telling people how to drive to work.
2: Yes. Like I need them to figure that out because that is one of the biggest drivers of remote work and making a successful remote work employee is that they can just figure it out because you're not going to have the IT person next to you. You know, you're not going to have those things. And so you really need to be resourceful.
1: So in a way that first impression of like when you're conducting that interview remotely, that first impression conveys a lot of understanding about does that person get it?
2: Absolutely. And so that was the first, after the application, After the person put their application in and it's reviewed and they've made that round, the next step is the video interview. Mm -hmm. And the video interview is a make or break. But, you know, part of the reason it's not a test. It just is like it kind of sets like the standard of this is a professional role. And these are the things that I expect and like you know, if you're going to be talking to clients, or even if you're talking internally, you need to be professional. And that's
1: part of it. We've interviewed people where they're like, it came out that they were like, they had done test runs on zoom or Skype or Google Hangouts with their friends to make sure that all of their technology worked and they knew how to do it. And they they had decent lighting and they had, a, they liked their backdrop. Yes. And like, those are people who show up in a suit to your office five, 10 minutes before their appointment. Yes. Right? Yes. Right. Those are the people you want. Whereas the people who show up and they're wrestling with their microphone and they can't pronounce the name, you know, it's like they show up late in a rumpled sweatsuit and they can't pronounce your name. Right. You yeah, know, like, yeah. yeah, <laughs> And so like you wouldn't hire that person and that, and that's the impression that you, and If people are listening and going, well, I don't intend to use video. Well, then how are you going to have any sort of presence with each other? Right. Like that's just a key. You have to be able to use video casually.
2: You have to use video if you're going to be a hybrid team. There's no other way about it. Like Mm -hmm. now to me, phone even seems weird. Like I'm going to say, I say once one person is remote, everyone's remote. Mm -hmm. And that just means of like, think of that, like so that they're never, there's not that sense of isolation. They don't feel left out. Something that you brought, like that I was thinking about when we were talking about, you know, so this person gets to the video. Mm -hmm. Another great way that you can set up, like establish these expectations and good hiring habits is in your job description. So when you describe your company and your goals, part of the thing is going to be the expectation that you are remote first, but that you expect someone to have a dedicated space if they are going to work for X, Y, Z. You know, tailoring. So it's not that it's all... It's it's just setting the expectations and really everyone needs that, right? Mm-hmm. Because then if I'm interviewing, it's like, I know not to test my video, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so it's like a little bit of like, there's a screening coming on just from your job posting.
1: What about how do you screen for like work ethic? Mm. We talk a lot about work life balance in our company because it's really important to us. Yep. But we don't mean that you get to balance your life against work. And so, you know, that life always wins. And so you just get to take all the, you know, all the time off you want. What we mean is like, we expect you to show up and work hard for eight hours a day or so if you're full time, but we don't expect you to work, you know, for your work to infringe on your life. And and in fact, we want your work to feed your life. But I, am afraid that by putting that in there, what we've telegraphed to people is to be really casual with commitment during the day or, Hmm. you know, like, so, and that's what I'm wondering is like, how do I make sure that somebody is going to work just as hard at home as if they were in my office where I'm sort of, you know, passively monitoring them.
2: (laughs) And then, you know, it it is like, so it's like, are you passively monitoring them? Mm -hmm. So, so one of the things I would say is I always ask, well, did you hire the right employee? So for me, there's twofold, whether this employee is going to work out. So some of the things that we talked about in the job description, have the video interview, always have the video interview. If they're going to be working remotely. there's no, Mm -hmm. there's no reason to have a phone call because you're not going to have a phone call. Like in this day and age get on the video. <laughs> so we've got so we've got that down. And then as far as work ethic, one of the things that you can do is definitely talk to past employers, colleagues about what they would say. So I would always check references even if they've never worked remotely, then it still is going to show you their drive and past experience because there is that I think there is a fear from leaders that as soon as you take the person out of the office, they're now not going to work. Mm-hmm. And how do you overcome that fear? So I put a lot of stuff on, if you've hired the right person, then now it's your time to lead and lead well. Mm-hmm. So what are you modeling as as leadership? If it is this work-life balance, right? But it is still this professional work-life balance and integration. It's again, those expectations, like we don't expect you to work pass these days or work on the weekends but i do expect you to be available between the hours of eight thirty and 5
1: is that a fair so that is that a common expectation of like you know you still set working hours even for your remote employees absolutely it's not whenever wherever it's Mm-mm. from your home office between eight and five
2: absolutely absolutely and that is okay. one of the things that i would also put in the job description Mm-hmm. That it says this is a remote position, but you are expected to whatever hours works for the majority of the company, right? You know, and then it gets it does change even when you you have these teams that grow international and and that's a little more complicated, then there is still expectations laid out that there's some point of the day, hopefully, depending on where they are, that you have a time to connect, right? And that they are expected to come in those hours. And that's mm-hmm. not like it's not micromanaging, it's just leading and leading well so that your team can perform. And then I think it is, if you've hired the right person and you're leading well and you have the expectations, every role should have goals. So it's a plan and there's goals and there's an outcome. And you should be meeting, having one-on-ones with your team that feels comfortable for you. So if there's a space where you're doubting if someone's working, then I wouldn't say once a month to have a one-on-one call is enough then I would say mm-hmm. we're going to have weekly one-on-ones and they are very thought out and, and meaningful. You know, it's not just about like what the goals are, that's part of it, but it's also like the personal connection mm-hmm. because I think trust is a huge hurdle to overcome in a remote or hybrid team and you have to have it. Right. So how do you build that? It's like building a personal relationship.
1: I have follow-up questions, but I'm getting carried away and I need to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so we'll be right back.
3: Longtime podcast listeners and lawyerist readers know that Sam and I get pretty excited about email productivity tips, but we know that most people don't have the time or energy to be email productivity nerds like us. So it's great that Samebox will take care of fixing your inbox for you. I've used Samebox for a while now, and it automatically organizes your incoming email into smart folders so you don't have to be overwhelmed by a busy inbox and don't have to see important client emails next to junky coupon offers, distracting you from the work you need to do. Best yet, SaneBox learns with you, so if you find it puts something in the wrong folder, just move it, and SaneBox will automatically learn your preference. It also has nifty features like Sane Black Hole, where you can drag messages from annoying senders you never want to hear from again. It's so simple, you won't need to learn anything to use it. It just takes care of everything itself. SaneBox works directly with every single email server or service that has ever been created, so it will definitely work for you. Get a free two-week trial and a $25 credit by visiting samebox.com slash lawyerist today. That's sanebo dot com lawyerist. With Ross Intelligence, lawyers conducting legal research leverage
1: AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. Ask a query in natural language on the Ross Legal Research Platform, and Ross will return on-point case law. Attorney Jonathan Udoka says he's able to use Ross as though it were a first-year associate doing top-flight legal research. At $89 a month, Ross is not only fast and intuitive, it's also affordable. See what Ross can do. Go to rossintelligence.com slash lawyerist today and get a 14-day free trial. Use the promo code lawyerist for 10% off your first-year subscription. A legal-only call center, Alert Communications has been helping law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake for over 50 years. Alert responds to and captures all leads for your law firm efficiently using their highly trained intake specialists and software solutions. They work 24-7, 365 as an extension of your law firm in both English and Spanish. Alert strives to set best practice standards within the mass tort legal community by using ethical ideals, in turn, elevating the quality of client services and earning the trust of attorneys. To find out how Alert can increase your mass tort or class action lead conversion rates, call 844-MY-INTAKE or find them at alertcommunications.com. Okay, we're back. So Mary Ellen, we were talking about, you know, what it takes to sort of manage and lead and make sure people are getting their work done even when they're remote. Like how do you build that trust with your remote staff? And I guess- Maybe that's maybe that's the next place to go is like, how, how do you do that? How, how do you keep? Well, maybe the first place to go is you, what you're saying reminds me of the concept of radical candor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we learned from that book and, and that podcast that we did recently, where frequent and open and honest conversations should become the norm, where I think one on ones are super important. But waiting a month to give somebody feedback feels like it could very easily get too hard and toxic. Yes. And I think when you're remote and you don't have that constant um, you don't get any of the passive feedback that you get when you're in the same office with people of the body language of somebody walking by you and smiling or a smirk when somebody talks, you know, you, you get less time, less FaceTime, less in-person time. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like it's probably even more important to do frequent, open and honest communication.
2: Absolutely. So I think that one of the things was when I first started working remotely, my biggest fear before I took the job was not can I do the work and will I be dedicated and, you know, devoted to what I'm doing, but I had a huge fear of isolation and feeling very disconnected. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, and that was one of the drivers for me starting this company, is that I was so connected. So then I started thinking like, well, why is this? How can I be, you know, be connected with these people when maybe I see them three or four times a year? Right. Mm -hmm. And I I think that there is this thing about knowing that I think for me, the fear of being disconnected made me really intentional about connecting. Mm.
1: (laughs) And so what were some of the things you've done?
2: So, and it's just like if I, if you're building a relationship or you're starting, you know, to date somebody new, right? These are the things like that you are going to, you can't always see them in person. Mm -hmm. So... I had a lot of video calls. I was always on video calls and I never, I can say never pretty confidently, you know, just dove right into work. Mm -hmm. And I was really quick to tell someone else if I'm having a one-on-one, one one call with someone and they just dive right into work and they don't do the small personal, what do they call that? Water cooler chat. Mm -hmm. Then I would stop them and say, my day is going great. How about yours? (laughs) 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 Because you, I like, I, like to say, bring the human, like there's still a human beside there. It's really easy to
1: feel like this is a meeting, like we should do meeting time. But since talking with you, we've actually tried to make more space for banter in all of our meetings because of that exact reason.
2: Yeah. Because how would you build trust if you're in an office? Mm-hmm. So you think about that, like, what are the ways that, or just anywhere, what are the ways that people build trust? You know, and one of the things is like, I have to know you before I'm, you know, gonna fully trust you, right? So like that's that part. And I think that we kind of talked about where it's harder for hybrid teams because they didn't necessarily hire this person to be remote. But now you are, <laughs> right. but now you are. And so, but it's, it's thinking about, okay, if I, you know, building a relationship, what does it look like? Uh, I'm going to talk to them and ask personal questions to get to know them before I just dive in and say, did you hit your numbers? Are you complete with that right. project? I
1: mean, one of the things we've tried to do is make, you know, and I realize some of our listeners may be hearing us talk about video and being all like, oh, that's, you know, that's like newfangled or something, but like. <laughs> It's awesome. want, well, and when, <laughs> once you incorporate it into how you do things, it's just easy. And like, you know, we use Slack as our text communication channel, right? It's our day to day messaging. But Slack has built in video chatting and, and audio chatting if you want to use it. Although I think audio chatting is kind of pointless. But whether it's with Slack or Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever, we will frequently reflect and realize like, nope, this is a conversation that would be better had face to face. Can we jump mm-hmm. on a quick call? Here's my link. Absolutely. And we try to make that casual and frequent because you're right if you were in an office you would be having those face to face conversations and it's just easier to actually do that instead of trying to you know I had Ben Balter from GitHub on a while ago and, and one of his rules for communication is to overcompensate for tone hmm. which is really important it's something that I've sometimes struggled with but he's talking about text and you don't need to overcompensate for tone if you just get on video together. Right. Then you just talk to each other.
2: (laughs) I do not. I mean, there might be some people listening, but I do not like text for work. Yeah. I do not like text for work. And especially in these remote situations, because I think that it's a waste of time, unless it's just a quick like, hi, how are you? But if there's any kind of like detail and this is for someone that's remote and you're not traveling, like you're on your computer and stuff like I I think it is a bad way to communicate. I Hmm. think that is the easiest way for someone to take you at the wrong, you know, like for not for your tone, right? And then it's like, okay, so that's not getting done because you're feeling annoyed by that. So then you end up having to have a call or video call anyway, right? So now it's taking all these tech, like, I just do not think it's a good place for that. And that brings up a great point of teams as you grow, you know, leadership teams and your corporate team is establishing what does your communication channel look like? So for you, if it's like, I prefer, you know, a video chat about these things for my one on ones, it's always on a video for just updates, maybe it's on Slack, you know, like establishing it or email me if this but realize like my turnaround time is this. And so it's quickest just to chat me, you know, Mm -hmm. you think through all those kind of things. So as a team, everyone knows you're all on the same page. Like this is how we communicate at Lawyerist.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Our kind of guideline has been, you know, try to communicate in the best way for that thing. You know, whether it's leaving a, a text comment or using Slack or jumping on a video, you know, and it's like, I always hate, this is something I've been really sensitive to lately, but whenever we're talking about business, every consultant, every expert, every book, including ours, like presents the solution. All right. <laughs> and, and I think it's really important for everyone listening to take all that with a grain of salt, right? Like there's nothing that works all the time. Like we have no. figured some things out that- work for us most of the time and that sometimes we're bad about doing and sometimes don't work and we try something else and blah 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 so
2: oh yeah and every day you know so i don't like there's always multiple solutions too right Mm -hmm. like they say that like it's trial and error but what you might know or the way that things that you've done when you hire on new people it's important to have those guidelines in place because people want that like i want to know what is expected of me for sure Um, And how you prefer to be communicated with. And so I think that that's a great thing for all like hybrid teams. And it's also a challenge. Like that is where I I think that remote workers can become the best communicators. Mm -hmm. But I think that there has to be a plan, you know, and it doesn't have to be this like strict plan, right, that never changes. But there does have to be a plan of like, this is how... Our, our team communicates for these items. Yeah. And there's always something that's going to come up and throw a curveball. You're right. It's not one size fits all, <laughs> but it's at least not just in someone's head, you know, as opposed to like being out there for everybody on the team to see.
1: Right. Hmm. Do you have any favorite tools that you use in a remote workplace or that you advise people to check out? I mean, we've talked about some video chat tools and we mentioned Slack at least, but I'm sure there's some other things that you might recommend.
2: Yeah. So this is not, I don't, if you don't have boomerang for like I use Gmail, so boomerang for your Gmail, then I always recommend getting that talking about work-life balance.
1: And that's a scheduler, right?
2: It's a schedule for your email, but it is awesome because Hmm. if you've ever had like that Person, it's again like you know, you don't want your people to be available like for always, right? But maybe there is that person, like maybe you did have to go to something, and this is part of like flexibility. Like, okay, I did go pick up my daughter and we went to her recital on Wednesday, but I needed to finish like this email. Well, instead of sending it at 10 o'clock, then it's scheduled to go out at 8 30 or whenever your normal working hours are, so that your team is not bombarded by all these you know, emails in the morning. Like, I do it often because it's like sometimes I have this thought, but I'm like, I don't. I need to set expectations
1: too. Oh, I like that. You're like, I don't want to bother somebody about this until working hours and right. maybe not first thing in the morning. So yeah.
2: Yeah. So you can schedule it to an exact, uh, an exact time. And it just kind of, not only does it set your boundaries as an individual and a leader, mm-hmm. but it also models what you expect from the team. So like, I love Boomerang and I also love, this is another one of those like plugins, but is Grammarly. Mm. It's awesome. It corrects like your email for you. You know, if you're sending a lot of emails, which I am, I run everything back through
1: by email and grammarly at least once. And it does tone too, right? Like it'll be like... Happier, (laughs) sappy. Yeah. Doesn't (laughs) it it help you understand if you're... Which I I have in mind, because I just heard Dan Pink talk about like your mood at different times of the day. And he was talking about earnings calls on the stock exchange. And he said, (laughs) afternoon earnings calls often result in bad purchasing decisions because the CEOs making those calls have a tendency to be wrongly, you know, more negative than they should be um, mm. and kind of cranky.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and I believe that because like I'm a morning person in the too. Yep. Yeah. Like I'm a morning person because I love to wake up to coffee and start mm-hmm. my day and do all those things. So I know that about, about myself. Much that, more cheerful
1: like, in the morning. Right. Most people well, are.
2: I, be right now but at about (laughs) let's see i like it's getting close to like where i have my next cup of coffee Mm -hmm. and then after that it's kind of like no calls just moving in to like the follow-up
1: admin in the afternoons right and that makes sense but like that's grammarly is a tool that can help you when it's like you're kind of you're kind of being a downer in this email
2: Right. And then also, I I know it's funny, it'll make this face at me and I'm like, oh, I wasn't really trying to sound like that. So I did, I always do go back and make sure, like I might type an email, but I go back through and make sure that I type the niceties at the top, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like, okay. And then it'll give me a smiley face.
1: I'm bad about that. I just want to get right to the point all the time.
2: I know. And so that's the same thing as like, that's where it's like, there's a human on the other end of this. Like that Mm -hmm. is the whole, like bring this human to remote work. Technology is awesome, but it can't replace me. It can't replace place to you.
1: For sure. What else you got?
2: Yes. I was going to go with another tool is you must have a project management tool. You must, you must, Mm -hmm. you must. And that is, it's good to like, get used to that at starting out, but from a virtual team, it's just like, everybody uses it.
1: What's so essential about that? Oh my gosh. I mean, I realize that's a basic question, but...
2: Sure. Sure. I mean, you realize the two biggest things that I hear from these remote hybrid teams, from the leaders or owners of these companies or companies that are thinking about going remote is one... How will I know that my employee is working? Mm-hmm. Always. I'm always asked that. And the second thing is, how will we stay connected? Mm-hmm. What will, like, how will we have any kind of culture? So the accountability piece that is so often, you know, worried about is from a remote team. If you have a project management tool... And especially, I mean, I think even when you're starting out and you're a young team, you know, maybe the whole team is on one project. Right. It's another way of establishing accountability in a remote team. And it also says like, hey, like this is the process for that. Like a lot of people lay out their processes like, Hiring processes, onboarding, so everyone can see. I even know this company that I follow called YNAB, you need a budget. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. They actually set up their Trello boards, so their project management thing, and they put a picture of everyone in their team and what they do mm. so everybody can see. And that's brilliant. Because again, like as you know, as they grow, as you grow or any of these teams grow, you don't know who's who or what's
1: what. So it's just
2: another, another way of establishing accountability in a remote team is to use that project management software.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. One of the things that I have encountered in lawyers and at firms and in talking with lots and lots of lawyers is that some people seem to resent being told that checking off tasks is a priority or that keeping track of tasks is a priority. Hmm. And, you know, we actually have one of our weekly KPIs that we report on one of our data points. Mm -hmm. And it's Aaron's is, uh, or maybe it's Stephanie's now that we put her in charge is, um, (laughs) uh, I think one of her data points is uh, how many overdue tasks are there? Hmm. Because if people aren't checking off their tasks, then that is a management issue, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not a it's not a chore. It's not a tediousness thing. It's a how do we know we're getting things done? It's, It's a management tool that we have to be on top of of because we don't know you're doing your job if you're not checking off tasks.
2: Mm -hmm. So it was annoying to check off the task or just to do the task. (laughs) Some people people just don't
1: work from the project management software. And so, you know, you, you circle back and you're like, Hey, I noticed they have 20 overdue tasks. And if the answer is, Oh, I did all those last week, then we'll check off the fucking tasks. And yes, (laughs) because if they're not done, then I need to assume they haven't been done. And then I need to, we need to be able to talk about how to solve that problem.
2: Right. And so you just answered your own thing is that the answer to that is this is how I can lead you and I can't lead you if I don't know whether or not you've done these tasks. So if you don't want me to ask you whether or not you've done these tasks, then check them off in a software that we use as a team.
1: When I used to talk about going paperless a lot, I would explain to people, you know, my process, which is the only things that in my office that aren't scanned are in an envelope in the mailbox or they're in an inbox. And if they are anywhere else in my office, they must've been scanned. And if I ever find out that somebody, has taken something out of an inbox without passing it through the scanner. I will fire them after one warning. And people are always <laughs> like, that seems awfully harsh. And I'm like, it's not fucking harsh. It's like I, I can't I cannot maintain a file that I can believe in if that's not how we do things. Yeah, and the thing goes for tasks and calendars too, right? Like if the judge calls you and asks you where is your pleading, and you look into your project management or your practice management software and it says it's checked off, then it better be checked off. And if it's not checked off, then you should be able to rely like you need to be able to rely on those things because they tell the story of the work that you're doing.
2: Right. And then that's all going to go in this, you know, this handbook that was created for your employees. Also, Mm -hmm. it's like these are just like the best practices. So it's not like, oh, we've created these policies. But and I would go one step further, which is exactly what you said. Not only like this is a rule of how we work, but also this is why. I think Mm -hmm. it's always great for people to understand the why.
1: That's from the checklist manifesto, right? When you try to put together like checklists for surgery rooms at a hospital and you just tell people to follow the checklist, it doesn't work as well as if you explain why.
2: Yes. It's just the same as if you said to me, so man, our goal this year is to make like $2 million, right? Like our goal as lawyers is to make $2 million and we're going to run, run, run. Everybody works so hard. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, nobody is motivated by that. Nobody Mm -hmm. is like, you know, especially if they don't know why, like, is it a why? Because we're going to bring on scholarships? Is it a why? You know, like what, like, where did that come from? And why? And I think that that is another thing of like, okay, in a remote team over communication, you know, let them hear you say it kindly, Mm -hmm. as many times as needed to, you know, so if it needs to be written and repeated, like continue doing that. Because like I always say, there's also that brings me to the second thing about culture in a remote team that we talked about. How do you keep your team connected and all that remotely that some people have said that it's not possible and I will say there should be some FaceTime in there so establish like the FaceTime rules right but for culture and your team to stay connected it's like most companies have this why this purpose this mission this value why they do what they do why they are remote and why they do what they do why did you write this book mm-hmm. why like you guys are so passionate about what you do that you know you wrote a book about it. Mm -hmm. And you want to help others do these kind of things. Well, I, on a remote team and having people that work remotely for you, I want to hear, and I should hear, your why and your goals, like the goals and why we're doing those goals and our values, Mm -hmm. And you have to get creative because it's not just plastered on the wall. You know, you can keep it online. You know, it should be in your everyday practices. That is how you keep build this community and this culture and build an amazing place to work.
1: Yeah. Mary Ellen, just by way of closing, maybe you could share with us a piece of wisdom about being an entrepreneur or managing a remote workplace that you've picked up that you think we ought to know about.
2: Yeah, (laughs) there's like a thousand, right? (laughs) (laughs) That you're like, oh man, I could have done that that better or Mm -hmm. this is what's kept me going. But I, I think that it's funny. It's kind of in my personality and I tell this to my kids and then I realize like as an entrepreneur or even when people are like looking for jobs, like I feel like sometimes these people that are looking for jobs get so frustrated about looking for jobs and it is, and it's hard to stay motivated. And Mm -hmm. I think, and, but like running, leading a team can be so frustrating and isolating being an entrepreneur can be so frustrating. One of the things that I've learned is, you know, everybody is going to have a bad day. Everybody is not gonna, you know, make the soccer team. Mm -hmm. You're not going to, you know, at like even these professional football players, this is how I have to explain it to my son, like they have a terrible game. You know, Mm -hmm. it's going to happen. So what really is a big part of it is like how do you bounce back? What is your next best thing? You know, what is the thing that you need to do next? And how it like how quickly can you recover? So for me as an entrepreneur, it's like, okay, you're you're juggling like all these things and you're told no way more than you're told yes. Or, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, what, what am I going to do now? What's the next thing I can do?
1: Hmm.
2: And I think that it's, it's helped me just have that. um,
1: Just keep thinking forward.
2: Yeah. Just keep swimming. Right. Like there was a truth (laughs) behind that. It's just like, okay, well, tomorrow is a different day and we'll figure out what needs to happen. Very cool.
1: Mary Ellen, I'll include a link to your website or your LinkedIn profile in our show notes. And thank you so much for being with us today and for working with lawyers to help us with our own remote work place. Yes,
2: I love it. I was so excited to do this podcast today and I'm so excited to work with you guys.
1: Thank you.
0: Are you interested in implementing the ideas you've heard on today's podcast into your law firm? Could you use a little help? Hey guys, it's Stephanie, the VP of Community Success here at Lawyerist, and I'd love to help you tackle your business or take it to the next level. Head over to go.lawyerist.com backslash start to sign up for a quick call with me. And let's talk about how Lawyerist can help you create your best law firm.